0: What happens when a disaster strikes? I know that I'm always thinking about food, and that might not necessarily be the first thing that you think about when a disaster strikes, but there are a team of people who are ready to help and provide food when a disaster happens. Mm-hmm. Joining us today, the Reverend Paul Ernwin, founder and director of Forged by Fire. Pastor Ernwin, thanks so much for joining me on the Coffee Hour. Thank you, Andy
2: and Sarah. I appreciate the chance to talk a little bit about what we do.
0: So, where did this idea for Forged by Fire begin? Well, that
2: is a little bit of a long story. So, the the short version is my wife and I had always kind of done catering just as a little, we're from Louisiana, so we like to cook. And so, we would help out with parties. And then I worked with a friend that was in the catering business on a little bit more of a commercial side. By the time I entered the SEM, I had a small jambalaya pot. And so, the roots of Forged by Fire began at 801 over at the seminary campus and I ended up cooking for, we lived back in the married housing. We ended up doing a meal back there one time during a break and then Reverend Kyle Castings, who was admissions director at the time. We started cooking for the outgoing class, the graduating class and the Vickers and it kind of snowballed and, and even after I graduated, we would come back to the SEM and cook and eventually we decided that we could do more in between katrina happens and it opened up some doors where we could see a need where the skills and the equipment that we had acquired we were able to help people and so we just started and i think our first venture off was uh, maybe more oklahoma and then it just kind of grew and especially with there was flooding events in houston and you had harvey and then, of course, in, New, in the New Orleans and the, that area with different hurricanes. And the last two years, we've been nonstop in hurricane season. So it, it just had that small start, actually, with Jambalaya Fest and, and right there on the campus of our seminary. And it's just continually grown from there each and every year.
1: So you mentioned you have a small jambalaya pot. Can you explain for those us who don't know these things Which actually is a small jambalaya pot and a regular sized jambalaya pot.
2: Oh my, (laughs) that's a good one. So you might cook with a, maybe a six quart or something. I'm not sure what the average person cooks with, (laughs) but I use a 20 gallon. The small pot is a 20 gallon pot and I can feed about 150 to 200 people with that pot. That's my small pot. And that's the one I've owned for over 20 years. What we have now are basically 90 gallon pots. So yeah, yeah, it depends on the serving size. You can serve anywhere from five to 600 servings out of one pot. We have three of them now, plus we have some 60 gallon pots and yeah, it's been fun. It's really neat to, to be able to share that with people. Especially pots, just kind of like your eyes, maybe lit up with that conversation. It happens anytime you roll that pot out of a trailer. You roll, you roll two pots out of a trailer, or a third pot. Eyes kind of get wide, and everybody wants to stir the pot.
1: <laughs> and stirring the pot in this case would actually be a good thing, not a terrible it is, thing. It is a
2: very, it is a very good thing because that pot gets hot. <laughs>
1: This, yeah. is, this is such a cool way that, that you've been able to take a skill set that not a lot of people might have and put it to use in service to other people. I think that is just a really cool thing that you've been able to do. Why is this, this ability, this service so important to you personally? I think
2: living through the storms that we have lived through in this area of the country, it's, it's one of those things that you naturally want to help. You, you have a skill set and ability and for me, it, it's a little bit deeper. I, I do have this talent and I want to share it and, and especially as a pastor, right? Where you, mm-hmm. you try to encourage people to, to use their gifts in service to the Lord. And, and I just feel so strongly about that, that I've been given this gift and it's my chance to use it. And I, I tell you, there's a little backstory to this and it, to me, it's special. As a child, I, in the floodwaters after a a heavy downpour event that we had where most of New Orleans was underwater, I ventured out from my home without my shoes on. I cut my foot open on a piece of glass and blocks away from home, sitting in the middle of the street crying, I found one lady on a porch on a whole street that was basically deserted. She took me in. She managed to pinch I guess, a a vein, an artery on the back of my leg. I'm not a doctor, but she stopped the bleeding, bandaged it, and she gave me a second chance. And and I never really did anything with that as a child. Didn't think anything of it, to be honest with you. And later in life, I found out after I'd been in ministry for a few years, I found out that she had gone to school. (laughs) It's kind of a, kind of a, she'd gone to school to be a nurse. And- Mm. When she got married, her husband asked her to stay home and just wait for her kids on the porch. And and that was the woman that she she just became a mom. And she, I talked to her son after she was dead. I, I met him randomly, like a total random thing. And he, we talked about this event. And he said that his mom only practiced her skill one day. And it was with me. Oh, wow. And I, I, I look at that and I go, God has given me a gift I have to use. And it drives me. It's part of, of I'm here. He's kept me here for a purpose. And, and I love my ministry and, and I love what I do with church. But I know I have this skill that I can share with other people. So if you ask me to to come cook in your community right now that's recovering from some of the flood damage and you want to feed 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 people, I would be there tomorrow. It's just, I just feel that called in that way because it's just a, a gift that
0: I've been given and I love to share it. So clearly you're very passionate about this. Tell us about others who are passionate about using their gifts and resources to feed people in a time of disaster. Tell us about the team that makes up Forged by Fire.
2: We have a good core and that's, you said the word passion, right? And you have to have people who are passionate about this and love, really love to do it because it is hard work. And as we've grown in the last few years, we've been able to find people who like to support it financially. And we find people who like to support it by coming out and working with us. And now that the LCMS has their alert system, we've kind of gotten into that and, and starting to pull volunteers from other communities. So it's really neat. If you ask me what my volunteer looks like, I would say it is kind of the expression, it looks like a, a bag of trail mix, right? It's It's all different. There's no one cookie cutter description of a volunteer. They come in all shapes and sizes, ages. And I can teach you guys how to cook for a thousand people. It's that, it's that, it's just the desire to help is what I need. And the desire to just love people. Because it's, it's, if you can't love people, you don't want to be out there. And if you don't want to be out there, the whole day is going to be miserable for you because it's, it's hot work, especially in hurricane season. And it's hard work. But mm-hmm. I, I find, I've just been so blessed to have people in my life who buy into that. And when someone supports you, you, you guys have probably experienced it. When, when someone supports what you do and they back it, it's an incredible feeling. And it just motivates you even more to keep working.
1: So how does how does this work? What does this setup look like when there's a disaster and and you go and if, if we called you up here to, to feed some people, what would that actually look like? How would that play out?
2: Well, what we're trying to do is develop this network and in, in part of now being an RSO is connecting with not just our district, not just the Southern District, but other districts in the church and district disaster coordinators. As a resource, as a tool for them, if, if it's an area that we can go to and, and come back from without a major ordeal, we will be there. And, and so what we look to do is partner with an existing church for a location and then have the alert system used for volunteers from that area to come out and help serve the food. So I can cook the food. And I can use volunteers, maybe some skilled volunteers, to to help cook the food. But serving the food and putting the the food into the hands of the people who need it, I like to try to keep it on a community level where volunteers or church members from that community get to interact with the people that they're helping. As much as I would love to, to hand every meal out, but that's not important to me. What's important is that the local community and the, the people that are receiving the meal know that they're loved, that know that they're loved by that church in their community.
0: What are some of the disasters that Forged by Fire has been able to help serve in responding to those disasters?
2: Well, as we started, Forged by Fire as a separate corporation is only two years old. And, and prior to this, I did it through the church that I serve. I've been at the village for 15 years. And so, as mentioned, we, we have kind of been from more Oklahoma to Houston multiple years because they had flooding and then they had Harvey flooding. So we did a lot of meals in the Houston area over the years. We've been to Pensacola and the last two years have really been an explosion. it just seems like the hurricane season 2020, it, it was like one after the other. And I lost track of how many hurricanes went through Southwest Louisiana, but We were able to to connect and serve, and then this past year with Ida, once we served our own community, because our community was hit where we're based out of, so we served a week in our own geographical region, and then we were able to expand out into some of these smaller communities where the national organizations with the bigger rigs and equipment were not able to reach. And so we were very blessed to be able to get down into some of these communities that it's two lane road down into the marsh and they just were not getting the support that they needed and it's so we've kind of been (laughs) we've kind of been everywhere on the disaster side and and on the community side besides cooking at the sem and we're going to be up at the seminary on the 12th of october cooking for the seminary campus again this year and I've cooked at, uh, when Concordia Selma was up, I'd cooked for Concordia Selma. I've cooked for LSU and Baton Rouge. I've cooked for Concordia and Austin. So I love to get around and, and, and show people and especially for the college campuses to show students that you don't have to have a million dollars to, to help people. You don't have to be part of a big organization. You can take one pot or one barbecue pit and, and make a difference. You can impact the lives of other people. Because very often I'm asked well, what's the impact and sometimes I don't know what the impact is, I'm, I'm feeding people, but sometimes I, I like to think that that impact might just be a person that's receiving this plate of food, it makes their day and if it's on a college campus, maybe they're having a bad day. I, I've been there where
0: you, you, you feel a little lost. And so here's a chance to to brighten someone's day. We're learning about the, the gracious work of Forged by Fire following disasters. Our guest today, the Reverend Paul Ernwin, is founder and director of Forged by Fire, will continue the conversation in just a moment right here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Abby Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Today we're learning about Forged by Fire, led by founder and director the Reverend Paul Ernwin, and the great work that they do in feeding literally thousands following a disaster. Pastor Ernwin, share with us how Forged by Fire fits into the picture of disaster response and all the other organizations and entities that each have a, a role following a disaster and how a community responds to and recovers from a disaster. You mentioned LERT and LCMS disaster response as some people you work alongside in responding to disasters. But what's the what what's the connection between what Forged by Fire does and maybe some of the, the larger organizations and, and where you fit in that picture?
2: Sure. So let me as a smaller as a smaller group that feeds people right there's some national organizations that are out there that'll serve 10 to 20,000 meals a day we don't have that capacity we can do 2,000 to 4,000 meals a day and and so working with in the Lutheran church working with the disaster coordinators we are trying to identify congregations that have been affected communities that have been affected set up with them in their parking lots and offer meals to those communities that are hurting and recovering from a storm so we're not there just in the immediate aftermath as, as soon as we can get in we are not a search and rescue organization so i try to give it a little bit of time to let those groups take care of of safety that's the most important thing i don't want to be in the way and then we're able to come in after that and provide the meals that people really do need when you've you've lost your power or you've lost or your house has been flooded or if you don't have a house any longer it's it's been the slab has been wiped clean it gives us the chance to provide them with a warm meal comforting meal in, in their most vulnerable time
1: what has the response been to To this service, to just being able to to give people something that is a basic need after a dis- after a disaster like this, what is what has the response been to this?
2: It's been well received, and we we don't do it for the thank yous, but it, it's it is a very organized system that we have, and we do we get so many people who are appreciative when you see their faces. It's, it just fills your soul. It fills your heart to know that you're able to help someone in their darkest time. And we have had so many people over the years, some of the stories where you, you see people who they look lost and they just need something to eat. They just need someone to talk to. They might need a hug. They might just need someone to pray with them. And and to be able to offer that to them is is something I think that we talk about our volunteers. It's it's one of the things that makes our volunteers feel so special that we're able to provide this to them. And, and I think in the Lutheran Church, this is something new. We all have these little small groups that like to feed people. We're Lutherans. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, bring a casserole, right? <laughs> and so we we like to cook, and we've just kind of expanded on that. And and my goal is to to help other congregations I'm doing a presentation at the disaster conference upcoming in September my my hope is to encourage other congregations to kind of take this model and run with it it's not hard you just have to be willing to work and uh, put forth that that sweat equity into it but the the impact i think is something that you cannot really measure Until you've been there, if, if, if Andy and Sarah, if you guys came out with me, you would be changed when you see the lives of the people that you're able to touch. It's, it's truly something that you, you need to be a part of.
0: Tell us about the food you serve at an event, like when you're, you're stepping up to help out following a disaster you mentioned jambalaya being one of your recipes earlier. What are some of the, the recipes or the, what's on the menu when you're serving?
2: Well, typically we try to go to things that I call one pot or very simple menus that where we can feed someone a hearty meal and where we can feed a thousand or more people. Our typical menu is a jambalaya. And a jambalaya, if you're not familiar with it, is a rice dish with we call the trinity. It's you know, onions, bell pepper, celery and has chicken or pork and sausage. It's delicious. You you have to taste it, but we also do a version where we do like a pasta and chicken dish, we do a shrimp and pasta dish. So I try to keep it where I can cook in one pot and make those large quantities. We've expanded. We have a chili recipe that we do. We have a red beans and rice recipe. We have, we've now purchased ovens, portable convection ovens. So we can do lay quarters. So we can do six or 800 lay quarters with the, the portable convection ovens. We can do spaghetti and meatballs or spaghetti and meat sauce actually. So we try to keep it items that are easy to cook and serve. And, and the thing is we try to stay away from soups and those types of items because we want to make sure the portions that we're able to give people it's it's balanced. They'll get their protein. And it's also not going to, it's going to be easy for them to carry. If they're walking up to us or if they're in a car, they're not going to have to worry about it spilling everywhere in their interior. So a good hearty meal with a, a piece of a, a roll, a piece of bread, if we have it. We also do a fruit cup, uh, a cookie, because everyone needs a cookie, especially <laughs> in these times. So we try to give them a nice balanced meal and not just the hot, we do hot dogs. But not just a hot dog or just a hamburger. It, it's it's more to it. And and I always want people to know just because they're in need doesn't mean that you have to just give them the minimum. I want mm-hmm. them to be filled. And I want them to be able to have a little bit leftover that they can eat later in the day.
1: Now, did you come up with all of these recipes? Or is there like a recipe book for how to feed over a thousand people? Because I, I mean, you have to like quadruple... I don't know. How did, how did you get these recipes?
2: Interesting. So the, the basic jambalaya recipe, I had a good friend that was in the catering business and he perfected this recipe and we have worked off of that. And it is a very, it's a, it's a very good recipe. So it works for the jambalaya. And then the other things are just kind of from cooking. We, we love to cook. So we know if we need a little salt or a little pepper or a little basil or thyme. So that it, it's really, it's not as complicated. It's not as complicated as, or intimidating, maybe is the word. It's not as intimidating as it as it could be. I, I'm telling you right now, I could, I could get you guys aproned up and yeah. and ready to go for the next day.
0: Yeah. What does the the training look like when someone new comes on board? They they literally jump in and they're they're right there in the middle of the heat of the the kitchen, right?
2: Well, do cook right now, all of our stuff is outside. So we, our trailers are set up where we basically roll the equipment out of the trailer and we have tents and we cook underneath that. That's our model for now until we build a a cooking trailer or a food truck. And with that, if I have someone brand new to the scene that they're not typically working with the food, unless they are an experienced chef, they're serving. And and so we'll get there early and we'll have everything prepped and ready to go. And then with the alert system, so I'm looking for volunteers to help serve because we probably need 10 to 12 people on the line to make it run smooth. We are, we're Chick-fil-A on steroids. We can push out, (laughs) say a thousand meals in an hour or 1200 meals in an hour. And it's really a ballet. It's really interesting to see we've done it enough that we're good at it. And so I can integrate new people in without a problem because I'm asking them to do one thing. And so you don't have to be an experienced caterer or chef to be able to help us because I'm not, I'm, the goal eventually as I continue to to grow is to have chefs and, and to basically be like the, the chainsaw teams are where our equipment stays put for maybe a month in a community and teams rotate in to take over and run that equipment. So that's the future. And and it looks bright, and it, I think it's going to happen sooner than we we think. But that, that's the goal: is to to continue our partnership with the LCMS and Alert System, and and build our volunteer base. But I, I've had some TV personalities come out and cook with us, and they've never cooked on this quantity. And and I walk them through it, and next thing they've cooked a pot of jambalaya that feeds six hundred people, and they're amazed. But it's it's really it's really fun, and you you would enjoy it. You need to come up this, to the campus on the 12th, and I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to stir the pot.
1: That would be that would be super fun. So, do you just have one trailer right now, or is this a multi-trailer enterprise going on?
2: We have we have three trailers now, and we have one truck that we own, and three trailers. And one is a support trailer; it's a little bit smaller, and it's designed to right now. It has an oven, three pots in it, and two fryers. And it can also haul supplies. We have another trailer that is a, it has a bathroom and air conditioning, which oh. are very very important things when you're in a disaster site and it's, it's just the things that we learn. It's, it, it is the process of you do an event, you learn, and, and we are constantly learning every time we go out into a community, we typically experience something new and so we've learned, we know we need air conditioning, we need restroom facilities. So one trailer is its like a toy hauler, I guess is the simplest way. It has a big garage, but it also has the shower up in the front with a little kitchenette, so all our equipment rolls in and then rolls out. So everything that we use is basically custom built for our application. And then we have another larger trailer that can carry ovens, other pots and propane, everything that we need.
0: How do we find out more about Forged by Fire? And more importantly, if there is a disaster, how do we reach you to make that request for your help? Sure. So we have,
2: we're on Facebook, of course. That seems to be the, the normal mode for many people. But our Forged by Fire, it's 501c3.com or a Forged by Fire services.com. Either way, very simple to get to online. And really for the, the help, is uh, just reaching out, contacting me. The information is on the website. And if you're working with a a church, if you're part of a church uh, disaster group, reach out to us. And if there's something that we can do to help, we are always looking for the opportunity to serve. And we work through the Southern District also. So Ed Brasher is our district coordinator here. And we're always, (laughs) always willing. If we can help, we will.
0: Our guest today, the Reverend Paul Ernewin, founder and director of Forged by Fire. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today, helping us learn more about the, the work that you and many volunteers do to feed those following a disaster. Thank you, Andy and Sarah. I, I appreciate the
2: time and, and being able to, change, to share our story with your audience.
0: You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.